Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to the show on all of your favorite podcast apps, just like any program here on the network. Let your friends know that all of your teams are covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And you can tell your smart device, your home device, hey, play podcast, Locked On NFL or Locked On Blank, because in these times, maybe you're not commuting like you normally would. And, you know, these devices are supposed to make our lives easier. And I've got one in my kitchen, and it's awesome. You just say, hey, play podcast blank, and you're rolling. And you can do whatever you want. Make a nice dinner for your family if you're stuck at home. That's definitely something, Matt, I've been doing a lot of is, uh, is eating more than working out, which is a bad combination. Um, and by the way, you can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. We'll do a Twitter Thursday this week. But mostly what we're doing this week is breaking down division by division, team by team, free agency reviews. We've got the AFC East today. Some news actually to hit before that and some of it involving the AFC East, Matt, as we get fat and eat too much Teams are still working in the NFL. The NFL draft supposed to go on as scheduled, not in Las Vegas, but it's happening. And teams like the Carolina Panthers doing tons of work. They made a couple of trades, and now they have signed former Jets wide receiver Robbie Anderson two-year, $20 million contract. Yeah, I don't know what to quite make of the Panthers. I mean, I thought it was going to be kind of a tank situation, but all of a sudden their O-line looks better. Bridgewater's an NFL quarterback. They signed an XFL kid that I'm kind of excited about, Walker. And their skill guys are really good. You know, I mean, McCaffrey and DJ Moore are stars. Samuel, Anderson, you know, I think the tight end situation isn't bad. So I think this offense might be okay. Like, I don't really want Robbie Anderson on my fantasy team because I don't think Bridgewater's going to throw deep a lot. And now they have two deep threats. So I don't know that they're going to both put up huge numbers, but that doesn't mean they're not going to impact the game quite a bit. I kind of look at the offense and think, sure, they could use another offensive lineman. But uh, as we said with Atlanta and Dallas, maybe this draft is all about trying to rebuild the defense and maybe they're not as far away as I thought. And one thing I like about this move and something I didn't think about originally when it came to Robbie Anderson and Matt Rule is the Temple connection. Robbie Anderson played at Temple for Matt Rule and as did XFL quarterback P.J. Walker also played for Matt Rule at Temple. And I think what's key for a new coach in a new program and what he's doing is, and there was a connection to Bridgewater on the coaching staff, there's a comfortability level. You know the people that you're bringing in, which is important. You always want to set up that culture first, even if Robbie Anderson isn't the guy who's the number one wide receiver on the Carolina Panthers when they become a really good football team, or even Bridgewater, or any of the players they're signing, they might not be the key players on this team when they become good, when this new rebuild and this new regime is really rolling, and I saw the same thing happen in San Francisco, and a lot of the initial signings were people that they were familiar with, that they trusted Mm -hmm. to build the right culture, and set a tone, and then those players weren't the impact players when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, but bringing in the right people, and I think a lot of times when a new coach comes in, he wants a comfortability level with his coaching staff and and with his players and players he can trust to put in his system. I think that's really well said, and I'm glad you brought up culture in Carolina because – that's really what they're doing. When I when I opened the, my, you know, what I said by I'm not, I can't quite wrap my head around Carolina. You're exactly right. What they're doing isn't, hey, we're going to lose, you know, 15 games and go get Trevor Lawrence. We're going to trade all of our good guys and get rid of Minka and Tunsil and Mitchell Schwartz and Joe Hayden and you know his other teams did before them. 
no, we're going to, we have a new group coming in. We're going to establish our culture. And if that means some losses in the meantime, fine, but we're building what we hope to be a very beautiful house brick by brick. And we're going to do it the right way. And we're going to bust our butt to win. And if it takes a year or two, so be it. And, you know, Robbie Anderson probably isn't for everyone. He's got a little bit of an off the field history, but for Matt rule, I know the guy, I trust him. He's a good football player. I'm all in. And the New York Jets have replaced Robbie Anderson with another speedy wide receiver. I'm going to save that for our next segment because we'll get to the AFC East and we can go ahead and start with the Jets. So we'll start the next segment with that signing for the Jets. Uh, But there are some other players signing around the league still. Devin Funches to the Packers, which is sort of the opposite player I thought the Packers would go get because they already have so much size at the wide receiver position. But maybe this is the Packers telling us, no, that's what we want. We want all power forwards. Maybe. Um, you know, a year ago, I was critical of the Colts. They gave him a one-year, $10 million deal, like as soon as free agency opened. But I also think the Colts are a smart organization. So I said, okay, you got a plan in place. You need a receiver. Funchess gets hurt. So to no fault of his own, he's not worth less now than he was a year ago, per se. Although I thought he was overvalued a year ago. But man, if I'm the Packers, I, I'm cro- if I'm a Packers fan... I'm crossing my fingers that they're not done, that they don't pass on Jalen Rager or Mims or somebody with speed and dynamic traits and Funches can be my third receiver. You know, I mean, I hope it's not, oh, we got the problem fixed. He's fine. Is Funches a lot better or any better than Alan Lazard? I don't know. Uh, a lot better. I like Alan Lazard a lot. Yeah. I liked what I saw from him. I liked him coming out of college. I thought maybe he could even be a tight end because of his size. I thought the same about Funches too. Uh, right, but right. I liked what I saw with him. And immediately he had a little bit of a rapport with Aaron Rodgers. And he jammed up that depth chart and became a starter by the end of the year. And I'm not convinced that that Funches is, is that not much great, better, yeah. that it's worth going out and getting that guy rather than trying to find a little bit more athleticism in the draft. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, and they are the same mold. They're small, tight end, big receivers, not super dynamic. And even with respect to Devontae Adams, he's not the fastest or quickest guy in the league. Like, this is a big, slow group of receivers when Adams is your your sports car. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> they have a mold, like you said, and I don't know that he's better than Lazard. A few more signings we need to touch on here. I'm going to roll through some of these. You let me know which ones stand out to you. We've got okay. Tyler Eifert to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Peyton Barber to Washington, uh, Jimmy Smith resigns with Baltimore on a one-year deal, and Dion Lewis and Corey Coleman to the New York Giants. None jump off the page. Smith, to me, is the biggest impact player of that group, making a great secondary super great again and now they have a pass rush i mean ravens pass defense should be superb this year i imagine they'll get a linebacker maybe like murray or queen in the first rounds for some speed on that second level the rest of those dudes are fine i mean originally i said boy peyton barber don't you have already have adrian peterson and geis i mean what do you want with peyton barber but he signed for next to nothing i mean he may not even make the team so that's not that big a deal to me um um, I, I guess the one kind of thing I thought that is noteworthy, I guess, is I thought Deion Lewis would end up in Tampa with with Brady, and he didn't. So yeah, there, that would so have made you know. a lot of sense. Um, Deion and 
you know, Barkley's already such a really good receiving type of running back. What's the mm-hmm. role for Deion Lewis? Because you're not taking Barkley off the field on third downs. No, right. I mean, Lewis is fine. I don't know that Lewis is even a good player anymore either. Tyler Eifert, is he still a good player? I would love to see the Tyler Eifert that we never really got a chance to see, or we, we saw glimpse of, glimpses of early in his career before he got hurt. It sounds like the Jaguars are signing a player that they think they're getting a full-time starter, but, I mean, with his injury history, you can't really expect that, right? No, nah, you can't. And even last year when he was healthy, I don't know that he was the same guy that you referred to, and I used to really like Eifert. He was a really impressive player. Awesome. Yeah. He's kind of those what-ifs for me. What if his career would have been healthy? He could have been a you know, five-, six-time Pro Bowler, in my opinion. Um, I've been harsh on the Jags, but I guess this is worth it. It's not a good tight end draft. you got a lot of other fish to fry in the draft. Take a chance on Eifert. Maybe he makes life easier for Minshew. Let's move on to the AFC East. Check out all of the moves that have been made so far from all of these teams, including the latest from the New York Jets next. So the Jets lose Robbie Anderson. He goes two-year, $20 million deal to the Panthers. So the Jets, I think, find the best one-for-one replacement that was available in free agency, right, in Brashad Perriman. One-year, $8 million deal to the Jets. Yeah, absolutely. That same style fast downfield dude. I think Darnold's a pretty good deep passer. Um, Let's get into all the Jets moves here in one second, but there's one thing I just want people to be aware of because I think you look at the Jets and your immediate thoughts are they were a bad team last year. They're probably like a five and 11 team. I mean, I have their schedule from last year up in front of me. They lost seven of their first eight. A lot of those with Falk who is as bad an NFL quarterback as you could possibly be. So they lost seven of their first eight, but they ended the season seven and nine. You know, like they had six wins in the second half of the season. And that was with mostly, that was with Darnold. And I know Adam Gase looks at tacos funny and is easy to dislike (laughs) and is a terrible hire and all these things. But that's exactly what he did with Miami too. Like they don't have a lot of talent, and they always end up winning seven games, eight games. Like, how did Miami win eight games? They had nobody. How did the Jets win seven games last year? I don't know that that's a fluke. I'm not saying Gase is a great co- coach or anything like that, but just be aware. I mean, the Jets finished the season pretty strong with a seven-win you know, seven win final there. Right, and Darnold missed four of those games and won yeah. seven. He won all seven. He was quarterback of those wins. So not a bad situation right now with, when you look at the roster and, and – and I think you're right. If I if you would have not told me that and reminded me what their record was and how they ended the season, I would have thought that they were a four or five win football team, and that wasn't yeah, the case. That's what and they feel like when you take they were a winning team with Sam Darnold at quarterback, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, do they have a great roster? No, but I'm still super high on Darnold, and just you know, those are facts. Those aren't opinions. And it seems as if this off season, the focus should be and is kind of. We'll see, uh, the the focus is helping Sam Darnold on offense, and I think they took a step back at receiver, even though I like Perriman, and he had a nice year, his best year of his career last year, but I think you still lose in that trade of Perriman uh, for Robbie Anderson, and then they signed a bunch of offensive linemen, which on the surface is good, but how many really good offensive linemen did they sign, but they spent a lot of money to make you believe that these are all starting caliber players, but I don't know if they are. I'll read off the list of the offensive linemen that were signed in New York. First of all, they re-signed one of their own, uh, Alex Lewis. Then they brought in Connor McGovern, three years, $27 million at center. George Fant, three years, $30 million. Those are you know starting 
salaries in the NFL. They brought in, uh, I'm missing some off. Oh, Josh Andrews signed with the Jets. And I believe there's one more. Yes, Greg Van Roten, another three-year deal with the Jets. They also brought in cornerback Brian Poole and cornerback Pierre Desir. Yeah, I'm going to start on defense because they didn't do a ton on defense. But I think Poole is one of my favorite signings of, of this offseason. I know he's not a big-name guy. He's a slot corner. But he's a really good slot corner. And, folks, that's a starter. I mean, slot corner is a very important job. And Poole is one of the better ones in the league that people don't realize. I still think the Jets are very weak outside, you know, on defense. Corner, edge rusher. They're good up the middle with their safeties. And Mosley comes back. And who knows what Quentin Williams will be like at this point with his gun situation. But you're right. The off it, The offseason has been about... Basically, I'm with you. I'd rather have Anderson than Perryman, but it's more or less status quo with the receivers. And I think when you mix in Lev Bell and hopefully Chris Herndon, that's it's a decent group of pass catchers for Darnold. And it, it kind of reminds me of the Bills last year where they're, they're bringing a lot of bodies at offensive line. None of them really excite you. I think McGovern is certainly a, a starting center, though. That's a nice pickup that... I, I'm pretty confident will work where the other guys probably are overpays, but because they're a little desperate and they want to make Darnold's life as easy as possible, they're doing it. So I'm not going to kill them for it. And I also think if you add, I don't know, Werfs or, you know, a first round tackle, Thomas, something like that, all of a sudden the line could be pretty respectable. And I think that's job number one. And again, I'm still a very big Darnold believer. And I think this front office knows what they're doing. Joe Douglas, I've been around him a little bit. I think he's going to do a good job for the Jets. So you still think they're in the offensive tackle market with the number 11 pick? Because I'm reading the tea leaves, and to me it seems like they added every offensive lineman they could in free agency so they could attack the wide receiver position, potentially get their favorite wide receiver in the draft at 11. You might be right. I just think that they are, I mean, Joe Douglas was a lineman. I think he very much believes in the lines. I think he's going to go overboard to make sure it's a good line. And that's just my hunch. I mean, it could be a corner there. I mean, it could be, they need a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. I just think their receiving core is probably adequate, but sure. Jerry Judy wouldn't look bad there either. You might be right. I mean, I guess it's a, probably a 50, 50 split on that tackle versus receiver for me. And before we move on to the Buffalo Bills, the subtractions here in New York were Robbie Anderson, as mentioned, wide receiver Demarius Thomas. They lost Ty Montgomery at running back, Ryan Khalil, Brandon Shell, Kelvin Beecham on the offensive line, and they cut Tremaine Johnson. So those were the losses to go with the additions that we have already talked about with the New York Jets. Let's get into... A lot of dead weight from former front office. Yes, that that is Joe Douglas yeah. bringing in his people. That's what's happening right here uh, with, uh, with the New York Jets. Now we've got the Buffalo... Bills, who were very active and made their biggest splash in the trade market. They added Stephon Diggs for a first-round pick and plus another bunch of picks from the Minnesota Vikings, so they no longer have a first-rounder. They signed edge player Mario Addison to a three-year contract. Vernon Butler, two-year contract worth $18 million. Quentin Jefferson, you can see a pattern here with what position group they were uh, targeting in the offseason. Two-year deal, $13.5 million for Quentin Jefferson. They signed Josh Norman to a one-year deal. Quentin Spain on the offensive line at guard. He re-signs to a three-year contract, and they signed linebacker A.J. Klein. The subtractions, before I forget, because I almost forgot with the Jets, they lost 
Shaq Lawson, Lorenzo Alexander, cornerback Kevin Johnson, and defensive lineman Jordan Phillips. Yeah, and let's talk digs here in a minute, but you mentioned culture before, and I give the Bills a lot of credit for this staff since moving from Carolina has been very good about building culture. You know, I mean, Edmonds on one side, Allen on the other, gradually build this thing up. And now I think this is the offseason where, hey, we smell blood in the water in the AFC East. We're going to be a little more aggressive. We're going to get a little bit more um, win now-ish. But you talk about culture. I mean, Norman, Butler, Addison, there obviously was a trend that you mentioned with defensive linemen coming and going, but there also was a lot of former Panthers coming in. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's that's not a, a shock there. The Stephon Diggs trade is interesting because we're learning now because when I saw that trade come down, I was like, why all these weird extra late round picks? It it seems unnecessary. A first for Diggs seemed like, you know, a nice solid package clean. And then we're hearing now that speaking of the AFC East and some blood in the water, the Patriots were trying to bring in and trade for Stephon Diggs. The Bills had a slightly better first round pick, and it looks like they added those extra picks to sweeten the pot for Minnesota, so they were able to get digs and keep them away from their division rival that they're trying to overtake this year. So an interesting note there when I heard the Patriots were involved with digs. Hmm, I didn't hear that, but that makes perfect sense. The Bills had plenty of picks to spare. They don't have massive needs. Like if they had that first round pick with digs on board, I don't know what position I would pigeonhole them for. I mean, every mock you saw, had them taken a wide receiver, yep. but none of them are as good as Stefan Diggs in 2020. And you're trying to win double digit games and be a, a force and make Allen's life easier. So maybe it was a slight overpay for Diggs, but only when you compare it to DeAndre Hopkins. And I think it's a good situation for them. I think it's a really solid team that can afford to be without a first round pick this year. And they, they nailed it. They, they needed the biggest The biggest thing they needed was another weapon for Josh Allen on offense, a wide receiver, one that they could trust. They didn't have to spend the time drafting and developing a wide receiver, which is key and why I think I like this trade for them, getting an established wide receiver like Stephon Diggs. And we'll see if they did enough to overtake the Tom Brady-less New England Patriots, who we will get to next. And I think one of the most fascinating teams in the 2020 offseason, the Miami Dolphins. One thing that's interesting to me, and I I shouldn't be surprised by it, but the New England Patriots, after losing maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, like one of the most important players in NFL history, Tom Brady, moves on from your football team, the Patriots aren't panicking. And they replaced him with a guy who backed him up for a while previously in Brian Hoyer, and they're going to let Stidham compete with Brian Hoyer. And I think before we even get to a lot of these moves by the Patriots and they, there hasn't been a ton of them. They're not panicking. And I just, I'm so interested to see what Bill Belichick does with not a great roster and just being a good football coach and having 53 guys do their job. Yeah. I mean, like part of me thinks when they win the division and we're all going to be like, we should have seen this coming. I mean, come (laughs) on, you know, like, and I'm a Hoyer guy. Like, I don't know if I ever told this story on the air, but Hoyer, coming out of St. Ignatius High School. Um, I don't know if he he wanted to go to Pitt amongst other schools. We were recruiting him heavy. Pitt was very much in the mix. So I toured around the Hoyers and really good kid. And we ended up taking Joe Flacco. He ended up going to Michigan State. Everybody was happy. You know, no big deal. But I've paid a little bit extra attention to him since then. And I think he's much better than the Chase Daniel, Colt McCoys of the world. I'm not saying he's one of the best 25 quarterbacks in the league. 
but he's going to execute this familiar offense. He's going to put the ball in the hands of the right people. He's not going to make a lot happen when it doesn't go well, and he's not going to be as good as Brady at the line of scrimmage, but he's going to play in that mold. And I think they like Stidham a lot. It also wouldn't shock me if all this gets erased and they sign Cam Newton tomorrow. You know, like who knows? I, but I, I think you can live with Hoyer and not embarrass yourself with this defense and this coaching staff. And I think it's pretty clear that the Patriots hope that Stidham does win the job and beat out Hoyer. But the reason Hoyer signed, he said, with the Patriots is because they gave him the opportunity. He could have made a little bit more somewhere else, but a one-year deal with the opportunity and probably his only only opportunity in the NFL to compete for a starting job. So we'll see how that goes in training camp. And there will be a lot of focus on Patriots training camp, if there is a training camp at this point, uh, with that battle between Hoyer and Stidham. Some other additions for the New England Patriots. Defensive tackle Bo Allen, two-year deal. Uh, Demir Bird. Wide receiver, one year, $2.5 million. Devin McCourty, two years, 23 extension. Uh, Adrian Phillips, veteran, has announced that he's signed with the Patriots, and I'm not sure if there's terms to that contract. I've not seen him. Uh, special teamer, Matthew, Matthew Slater, and of course they put the franchise tag on Joe Thune. They also agreed to terms with fullback Danny Vital. So those were the additions and some subtractions, which are key, and some big ones. These are big names here. These are these are yeah. guys with rings. Tom Brady, Kyle Vannoy, who went to Miami. Linebacker Jamie Collins. Nose tackle da- uh, Danny Shelton. Center Ted Karras. And a safety Deron Harmon, who they traded away. So big picture, this team is not going to tank. I mean, we've had this conversation. You're, they're not going to walk in Belichick's office and say... Let's win two games this year, Bill, and go two and 14. Like, that ain't, that ain't flying. I mean, they're going to compete. We're going to see how great a coach Belichick is. And frankly, if he can get this roster to seven wins, I think that's a heroic achievement because it's not a good roster. Um, you look at their losses, and the first thing that comes to mind to me is, first of all, a lot of holes were created. You know, they, you need a linebacker all of a sudden, center, you know, you're going to need a backup or and or starter, another D tackle. Harmon played a lot of snaps, obviously Brady. But they're playing the comp pick game. I mean, they're going to get a lot of comp picks next year, as they often do. So always think about that, especially with the Ravens and the Patriots. When you count their additions minus their subtractions, it always ends up with a lot of comp picks the next year. It makes me wonder, you know, you have a ton of money invested in Thune and Mason at guard. Would you entertain a trade for Thune at this point? And that doesn't mean you're tanking. It's just it is is the time right that you'd rather have a second round pick than Joe Thune? Maybe McCordy's and Slater to a lesser degree are lifers. They're all, you know, great Patriots for what they do, but man, this team needs about everything. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not one of the better rosters in the league. No. And they haven't drafted well recently, which no. magnifies that and where they're at with the roster. And when Tom Brady starts to age out and then now he leaves, you really see a lot of holes on that roster and they're not a team that, really does a lot in free agency, which I think is the smart way to play it. And you mentioned they play the the comp pick game, but they got his hit on some draft picks. And I wonder if the Patriots especially are one, because we talked about how Jordan Love was mocked to them recently, and we didn't love the fit, didn't think it was a Belichick-type pick to, to draft Jordan Love at the end of the first round. I wonder, and the Patriots are always a team that's open for business and taking phone calls with their late first-round draft picks. I wonder if the Patriots, amongst other teams in the NFL, will be asking for future picks rather than more picks in this year's draft 
just because of the scenario that's going on with the league and in the world and potentially landing that quarterback next year because they're not in the spot to land one of the top guys this year. Yeah, you might be right. And they may pick 12th next year in the first round based on record as opposed to being a playoff team. You know, like they may be middle of the road. It might be a lot easier, shorter path to get from 12 or 15 to two or three to get next year's quarterback. And they don't have a second round pick this year. You know, they're going to get a bunch of comps more so than most teams in the league. They always, they always seem to pick up a, a pick for next year during the draft anyway. So you absolutely might be right. Maybe you go this year with Hoyer and Stidham. Stidham looks great. Then you're out of the market. If he doesn't, you're in that market. It's going to be a really interesting year for the Patriots. But, boy, I mean, you mentioned their roster has taken a lot of shots. I mean, it wasn't a very good roster last year. No. I mean, yeah, that's Brady to overcome those things at his age was an impossibility. And, I don't know, it's really – I I would rather have most rosters than the league than this one. Real quick, did you have – what were your thoughts on Stidham coming out last year? Because he wasn't a player that I thought was anything that you would say, oh, now he's going to go into the next season two as our starter maybe. Really liked him in the preseason. There's a lot of tools there. I liked him a fair amount coming out of Auburn because he was horrific his last year at Auburn, but that system did him no favors at all. I mean, he's much more of a traditional drop-back passer. So I have some optimism there. I mean, frankly, I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but I, I would probably put him slightly behind like a Drew Locke of the young quarterbacks. And some of that, some of that's a little bit of a knock, a knock on Locke, though, too. Um, I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket, but I'd put an egg or two in that basket. And at this point, they don't have many other eggs to go with. So <laughs> they have not right, much right. of a choice and let those guys play it out. The veteran and the young guy that has a little bit more tools in his chest okay real quick we've got to get to the Miami and right Dolphins. now they have like nothing invested in salary cap wise at the quarterback position too. oh right yeah so they they are free to do whatever they want next year if they want to and they can re-up some of their own so guys like Joe Thune if you do have a young quarterback that comes in either this year or next year you don't want to tear apart your offensive line and we've seen that around the league that's still important so mm-hmm. they can still do whatever deals they need to do and salary cap flexibility going forward which is interesting for New England which they haven't had a lot of recently Uh, Speaking of salary cap flexibility and a team that has been very busy as expected this offseason and still have three first round picks to go with it is the Miami Dolphins. They have spent top of the market money on cornerback Byron Jones five years, $82 million, 54 million of that guaranteed. They brought in running back Jordan Howard on a two year deal, guard Eric Flowers, three years, 30 million, edge rusher Shaq Lawson, three years, 30 million, Ted Karras who they added from New England for mil on a one-year contract. They brought in another player from the New England Patriots in linebacker Kyle Van Oy, four years, $51 million. Emmanuel Ogba, another edge guy, two years, $15 million. And then Adrian Colbert at safety, a depth piece, one year, $1.775 million. And really haven't lost much because they had already gutted that team. <laughs> right, right. Um, a lot to dissolve to take in here. They are also building a culture, and that started last year, and I thought they put the building blocks in place there, and I think they have their coach. Obviously, they are grabbing former Patriots, too, and that's part of it. They're also doing the Jets thing of let's bring in NFL linemen, whether they're starters or not, because offensive linemen are expensive, and we need a lot of them, and we'll figure it all out later and maybe still draft the guy, um, probably overspending to do so. I know Eric Flowers is a bit of a punchline. 
But when he got moved to guard last year, he played well. I mean, he's a mauler. He's a run behind fourth and one type of guard. If you put him out on an island and the tackle, he looks like he's all over the place. So I get it. I don't quite see running to sign Jordan Howard the day free agency opens for $5 million a year. I mean, it's not 1985. But you got Byron Jones and now basically a great pair of man coverage corners that should really have a massive ripple effect for the other nine guys on that defense. Right. So get after the quarterback and cover guys on the back end. And you might be rolling a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, the big question here is quarterback and how they attack the draft with those multiple picks in multiple rounds. And I, I, I like that they're aggressive. They're trying to get better. They had the flexibility to sign a bunch of guys. But I'm also looking at these contracts and thinking, I don't think a lot of these players are going to see the end of these deals either. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, for example, like they had two edge players. I'm not, I'm not going to call Van Noy an edge. He can play edge, but he's kind of a do-it-all guy. I'm, I'm talking about Lawson and Ogba. So you sign those two, and yeah, that's better than what you had, but they're both number twos or number threes. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. should not stop you from grabbing gross mottos or whoever you like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So uh, they're signing them like they're true starters and you get them locked up and they're better than what you had. They're fine, but you're not going to threaten quarterbacks like crazy with Ogba and Lawson. Have not only the Buffalo Bills, but have the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets surpassed the New England Patriots, Matt, when you see this thing and you see how this offseason has unfolded so far? Could the Patriots be in the cellar of the AFC East? Wow. No, I can't say that just out of respect for Belichick, but they might have the worst roster when the final rosters are, whether well, the 55-man rosters, they may have the worst one when they're finalized. I mean, that includes Miami if they add Tua and two other first-round picks or whatever, um, but I will not say that they come in last. I'm sure Vegas will say Buffalo is the favorite. I'm sure I'll pick the Bills to win the division, but they also smell a little bit like the Bears last year. You know, tons of mm. turnovers, inconsistent quarterback. Defense doesn't tend to last year to year quite as much as offense. You know, it's it's different being the hunted instead of being the hunters. I forgot about the 55. I keep calling it a 53-man roster. It's a 55-man roster now, right? Anyway, yeah, we're out of time here, Matt. This is such an interesting division, and the Miami Dolphins are not done yet, and I can't wait to see how they maneuver the draft, if they move up for the quarterback, if they try to stand pat, if they really do like, and they put out, to me, this is one of the most obvious smoke screens of this draft season was at the Combine, all of the talk was about Herbert, and the Dolphins like Herbert, and they're not going to trade up for Tua because they love Herbert, which tells me the exact opposite. They're just trying to get a better price or hope that, that Tua actually falls to them at five. Yeah, and I, it's not that I'd be critical of the Dolphins if they don't land Tua, if they can't move up to get him, and they end up taking Herbert at five. But right now, their offseason kind of has to be incomplete because if they don't at least have a potential franchise quarterback added in this draft, I'm not, you might be spinning your wheels a year too long. And the crazy thing at that, that gap between three and five, you know the Lions are going to be open for business because they can get the same guy they were going to draft already unless they were going to mm-hmm. take one of the quarterbacks if they move down to five or six. So they're going to be open for business. And even if they stand pat and let's say the Chargers decide that they want to go up and get a quarterback because they want to pass up the Dolphins. So they trade with three. There's Everyone in the world knows that the 
Dolphins are probably going to draft a quarterback still at five, whether it's Herbert or Tua, so a team could still get up to four and jump in front of them. So I, I don't see a way with all of the resources that the Dolphins have in the draft that they don't get up. There's a lot more to talk about with this, but just right now it's just I know that idea has kind of calmed because of the quarterbacks that are in this class and that Herbert looked good at the combine and the smoke that's coming out of there, but I'm not buying it. No, I'm not either. I think two is still what everybody wants, and I think you got to get the three to get them. You know what's interesting, too, about this, and we're going over time, but when you were talking about Belichick and not betting against him, we've seen a lot of advanced statistics now in the NFL, and there's win above wins above replacement that came from baseball, and now we're seeing it attached to football players. I wonder what that would be for the most important position, maybe in sports, which is football head coach, the wins above replacement. We might find out how many wins Bill Belichick alone is worth this year. Yeah, I mean, if I gave this roster to pick Joe, who's the most average coach in the league, you know, the 15th best coach in the league, I would say they're a five or ten, five or six win team, you know, and maybe even picking the top five when it's all said and done, if a couple injuries hit. With Belichick, if they're over under wins or eight, I'd probably go over. Right now, as it stands, I would take the Patriots roster fourth out of these four teams, period. So Yeah. I mean, it might be better than Miami's this minute, but not after three first-round picks in the draft. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we got to go, Matt. Uh, more on the rest of free agency. We'll continue through the teams and divisions in the NFL, breaking down all the news, getting into the NFL draft, every angle, every day, right here, Locked On NFL.